0: Hi, my name is Kenneth Carlson and you are listening to Functional Tennis Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I speak to people working at the highest level of tennis, from players to trainers to coaches and more. This week I speak to Kenneth Carlson. Kenneth is a former pro with an ATP career high of 41 and winner of three tour titles. He was the Danish Davis Cup and Fed Cup captain and is now coaching and commentating. Kenneth worked with the impressive Holger Ruin and Clara Tolson as young juniors And he tells us what made them special and what stood out with them. He tells us how many hours he recommends young players should spend on the court, what's important for them to work on. We talk about training for and embracing pressure situations, as well as a look back on his own career, using his learnings from being on the tour as a coach today, and also the match at Wimbledon, which means the most to him. Before we get started, a shout out to our podcast sponsor, Slinger who make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. Head over to slingerbag.com to get all the info. Or if you have any burning questions, feel free to message me as I'm an avid Slinger Bag user. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode or find it useful, I'd be very grateful if you could share it with fellow tennis enthusiasts, parents or coaches. It means a lot and helps spread the Functional Tennis Podcast to more people and get more listeners. So here we go. Here's Kenneth. Hi, Kenneth. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. Uh, welcome to the 162nd Functional Tennis episode. So it's great to have you on. And tell me, how's life in Denmark?
0: Life is very good. Today, the sun is shining. It's summer. There's a lot of good tennis. I have a lot of practice with some players. And also, I actually right now, I'm also commentating from Montreal. So uh, a lot of tennis and uh, some good weather here in Copenhagen.
1: So you're on the pulse with top juniors and, and the top players, so you're everywhere. But tell me, what sort of players, I know a couple of players, well, some you've worked with, some you're working with, but what's your day like now and how do you mix
0: in the commentary? Before, just to give you a little bit of history, when I stopped playing, I was uh, head of uh, Bosniaki Tennis Academy. And then after that, I, I was in the federation, head of the elite uh, there as a, as a national coach and Dave's Cup captain and, and Fed Cup captain, now Bill in King Cup. Captain, I stopped that because I went to a club in Copenhagen HIK who wanted to start a high performance unit. I stopped there in that club three, four months ago and went private there with some, uh, a lot of the players to give me a little bit more free time, also with the family uh, and and doing both tennis and, and commentating. One of the things that I, I really burned for is to, to try to make good players and try to, to make the Danish tennis culture even better than it is because we've been building through many years, I believe, very much in in culture that we inspire each other and and the coaches are inspiring each other. So so good coaches are giving knowledge to to the players and hopefully we make good players and and a lot of interest for tennis.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're on the right path. You have some good players coming up of all ages. But when you're at HIK, so you would have worked with Holger there.
0: Yeah, I was responsible for Holger Rune and Clara Towson and two other players uh, who had very high potential uh, internationally. So far, it looks like both Clara and and Holger or it doesn't look like, but they're they're doing really well and, and I have very high hope for them and I know them since very young. I think Holger was also on the Bosnia Tennis Academy. I don't remember exactly when he, how old it was. He was nine, ten years old uh, when when he started there. When I came to HRK for the high performance, he was, I think, 12, uh, and Clara also came and she was uh, the same age. So, so I was responsible for them for the high performance for for that period of time. But but Hulk also has another coach. He has Lars, who is also still traveling with him, and he was traveling with with uh, with him all the time. So he was kind of the, the main coach and and traveling with him. But I was responsible for the whole team. I had to practice with with Hulk when he was home, and also with the, with Clara. I also traveled with with Clara Towson for for the juniors. So I thought both both of these players has had huge potential very young. I also had the privilege, uh, of course, to to be on the tour myself and see a lot of good players when they're growing up and was also working uh, for for a while with with Caroline Wozniacki. I knew Caroline Wozniacki since she was like 12. You get a kind of feeling of what it requires to to become number one in the world, to to be able to to, to make players who can win Grand Slams, uh, which Caroline did. Uh, and and see what 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 does it require in in a very young age to see okay does this players have the potential and then work with them and give the op- them the opportunity to be the best they can be
1: just, just well, not so recent because Holger and Clara aren't that old so. Looking back at them at a young age, you said you saw them at nine, then at 12 again. Were they a step above other juniors at that age, or was it quite similar, and then you saw a quick jump because they were working harder? What separated them, and what's allowed them to, let's say Holger at 19, is what, top 100 in the world, it's even what could be 40 now, I think. What's allowed him to be so developed at a young age?
0: Well, I always thought he was going to be a big star. I still think he's going to be a big star. I think he has the potential to win Grand Slams and, and be number one in the world. Um, and he was very good, very young. He was uh, in a good age, 2003, both nationally and internationally. We had the, in, in PTS, I think it was first time ever for Denmark, uh, for sure. We had number one and two seats. We had Holger Rune and Elmer Müller, which was, you know, so they had competitiveness in, in the early years, even from Denmark, but he was always looking at the international players and, and like Alcaraz and all the, of his age and trying to be the best of his age. And he was in a good age. You know, it's different from, from age to age, how good they are. But this 2003 seems like it's a good age. He always wanted to be the best. He has, uh, hugely, uh, interest in tennis is his passion. He has passion for tennis and you need passion to, to, to be able to, to do it because it requires a lot of work. It requires not only work on court, but off court also. And sometimes it's also tough times, you know? So, so you have to have passion. You really want to have it. Normally I, I say that to become a, a very good player, a, a player who has potential to be really, really good, you have to be very strong tactically, physically, and mentally. And that's just uh, the headlines. Then there's a lot of under the headlines that that you need to to take off to to be able to be uh, number one in the world, the top 10 or or Grand Slam player. You
1: you need the team also and you need the right, giving you the right direction. Like I think you can be naturally gifted and put in the work, but...
0: You're totally right. Today, it's it's, uh, much more about Teamwork uh, than than you think because you see all the big players who has a big team but even as a young age the the players has has a great teams so, uh, they have one or two coaches they have parents they have maybe managers they have uh, physical coaches mental coaches it's it's a professional uh, setup from a very young age today you need to be the, the players also need to be a little bit lucky that they're born in the right place where they meet the right people and maybe also sometimes mm-hmm. to have the, the right parents. It requires a lot, and it 's also very expensive to make a tennis player these days, uh, because you there's a lot of expenses both for coaches but also traveling so so and it It, it requires a, a big commitment from the from the parents these days I think there's a the financial part is a big part, and
1: for tennis families, I speak to quite a few parents, and those that don 't come that's from, let's say, a background with experience at pro level tennis. Maybe it's their first kid and they're getting into tennis. They don't understand the financial part. And once you start explaining to them how much it actually costs, it kind of they run away (laughs) like they're like i think there should be a bit more education in that and maybe a bit more support and some governments give more but you're right you got to be lucky in the right place and find the right team and obviously if you can be one or two in your country there's always a bit more financial support and if you're getting the wins money finds you
0: that's that's the the tricky part is that when you actually also when you get become better you know even even if you're one of the best in the in the world in, in at least in denmark Uh, Because it's a small country and and we don't have like France or America or England or Australia who who has Grand Slams, you know, who has a lot of money. So even if you become very good, you don't get necessarily everything paid. You have to put in the money yourself or find the sponsors uh, somehow. And it requires a lot. And maybe... Once you get very good, maybe then people will will support you. But then you earn your money, otherwise in another way as well, both price money or big sponsors. Uh, but the early stages, it it's it's expensive.
1: Yeah, well, I do think it helps. There are some very generous people out there in smaller countries where have made a lot of money through business, and they love tennis and they help to support. Some of the young players, I do have to laugh at Casper uh, Ruud. If you ever see any of the younger photos of him, his whole yeah. shirt
0: was just covered in sponsors, and now he's just like a walking billboard. He's, but he's still, he's still. I was commenting last night, uh, and and uh, you know the the team and himself, you know they're covered in sponsors. So, but that's what it requires, you know. At, um, try to to raise money to 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 make the right team and be able to give them the opportunity to be as good as they can. But it. It requires a lot also behind the the scene.
1: Yeah and you say it's not all good it comes with stresses and challenges so speaking of another junior there's a junior we post we post a good few videos of at the minute Philip Dianti is that how you pronounce his surname? Uh,
0: Philip Dianatti.
1: Dianatti okay he's 10 and he's, he's quite technically he's brilliant I saw a few of his videos he's quite intelligent as well on the court he knows when to move in and what shots to play How long have you been
0: working with Philip? Since he was six. And when I was in HRK, we took a couple of uh, the the most talented players um, to, to work with. And there was Philip and actually another girl who was also six. So we took them pretty early. So, so I've been working with him since he uh, barely could throw a ball. Let's just talk a bit about his
1: experience over the year. And a few questions I get asked about juniors at that age. At six, what sort of level did he have when you first saw him?
0: Oh, he, he had the eager. You could see straight away that he really wanted it. He, he wanted to practice. He wanted to learn. He wanted to win. He wanted to have fun. He just had the, the passion. And, and then he had to learn the right technique. He had to learn the, the, the right grip, he had to learn the right swing, he had to learn the right setup, he had to learn how to throw a ball so he could serve, he had to uh, learn the footwork. We used a lot of time, both on-court and off-court, to make him an athlete and make him be able to do what, what was required for, for him to, to learn the right technique, both, um, both uh, physically and, and tennis-wise.
1: But this, at six, had he been playing tennis for like a year or two years messing about? Is, is that this level he was at?
0: Yeah, 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 it was.
1: So And then moving six, seven, eight, nine, ten, a big question we get asked is, how much time should they be spending on the court at those ages?
0: It's a good question because it's, it's also a controversial subject, you know, how much time. Uh, he wants to be on the court all day if it was up to him. And that's the kind of passion he has. So it's kind of how to limitate. But the thing is also to how to build up how many hours should he be on court with a coach? How many hours should he be playing with, uh, with some of his own age? And how many hours should he just be playing around, you know, just uh, finding out himself? And it's a, it's a little bit mixture. Of course, there's, uh, I think in the beginning we were doing, I think now I take it on, on my, on my yeah. memory. I'm not sure if I, if I do uh, tell you the right thing. But but in, in the club we were doing, uh, we gave them two hours, uh, two, two times, one and a half, two hours every week. And I think I was doing with him also privately uh, maybe two times a week. So with, with the tech, focus on the technical and, and the, um, the athleticism, you know, the, to make him an athlete. And it's just been, then we slowly build on on that, you know, to, to gradually take it more and more. And the main focus has been in the beginning but all, actually always was to give him the best technique as possible in all the strokes. You know, I wanted to, to make him to, to make a complete player so he could, we could see later, you know, what kind of player he would become. You know, you don't know how, how, how tall he's going to be. You don't know if uh, what his weapons are going to be. So he, I like to give him a lot of tools uh, to, to work with. So, so try to make him good forehand, good backhand, good serve, good smash, good volleys, good slice. And then also, at the same time, give him a, a good sense of the tactical thing. So he's already getting smart in a young age to, to see how he uses, how to set up the points, how to win the points, uh, how to, to build the the mental part also. So so in my practice, I always try to to build both the technically, the physically, the mental and the tactical aspect of, of a tennis player. Because if you only work on one thing, it's gonna, he's going to be very good at that, but he's still lacking the other parts to be a good player you need to have those at least those four pillars that i was talking about
1: and let's say now as a 10 year old how much time is he spending on the court with you with a group and then on his own and also fitness as well i'm sure he's starting to do a little bit of that
0: he's doing himself also you know he 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 cannot sit still so uh, so they he has a gym at home so so I just received a video uh, last night where he was standing on a, on a board uh, juggling because I was, I was, when he was young, very young, I was trying to, to make him juggle with the balls. And now he's doing it on, on, a, on a balance board yeah. as, as well. So just for fun, you know, just, uh, I didn't tell him to do that, but he's just doing it. Well, I think he has, uh, he's playing a lot and, 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 uh, and it's always a balance to see, okay, is he playing too much? Because we don't want him to top when he's 10 years old. We want him to top when he's a senior. And that's always the tricky part is that to, to, to pace them. I don't have a set goal of how many hours they have to or they don't have to. But they, they, there's a certain amount of, of time that he requires. He's playing every day, but, uh, but I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm strict when he's home that he has uh, at least one day off where he's not playing tennis. You know, Then he's running around playing football and everything else, which I also want him to, to, to do a little bit other, other sports and sports. He's
1: always played other sports. Has he tried to play other sports?
0: He, he tried to play football in school uh, and in his free time. And actually it was part of, part of uh, my agility with him to play football with him, to do other sports so throwing balls and stuff like that, because he was not necessarily going to football as a regular. But for me, it's important that, that he get other sports somehow. And, and he loves that. He loves to play football. He loves to to swim uh and and do other things but uh, he has pretty much he's playing every day some of the day two times a day uh some of the days one time but and then he's doing the the agility and the fitness uh, on the side so he's he's putting in the work as you can say but we're always looking very very carefully very strict that if he's tired if he if he doesn't want to go he doesn't have to go you always have to really want it. And sometimes we say, no, no, and now you have to relax a little bit.
1: Well, what about from the parents' side? I know his dad, Peter. How are they just looking up from on top and like
0: you're sort of in charge, or are they really involved also? Well, I actually like, uh, I know there's a different kind of opinions about parents, but I really like to have a, a close relationship with the parents. In my. Uh, Experience, that's the best way to to, to work with the players because if, if you don't work with the parents, you cannot go separate ways, uh, maybe. You don't talk the same language. At the end of the day, the parents are always going to be there and they have a big voice. So for me, also when I was with uh, Holger and Clara, uh, I was working very closely with the parents. And, and also now with, with Philip, I'm working very closely with the parents. Plus the parents also see a lot of the matches. When I don't have time to go to, to watch matches, they, they see the matches. And Peter is actually very, very good at giving notes and telling me how, how the, uh, the, the plan was going, how he was playing, you know, all the things that we are working on on the day to day life. Then he's, he's very good at, at giving me um, feedback on that. So he's kind of, you know, assistant coach, if you can say that or, or or the head coach, uh, kind of how you look at it. but
1: It must get tricky when I'm sure some parents like to call the shots and they want to override you. And I think that's the challenge for a coach and a player. No, no, no.
0: But, but, but right now, um, uh, honestly, uh, they trust me very much and, and I really appreciate that. So it's a, it's a, we have a very good, trusty relationship. So so right now, there's no problem. He I'm the main coach and, and they're supporting us as, as, as much as they can and doing a good job of that.
1: How did you get players such as Holger and now Philip and previous Clara invest in to see the long-term potential, like not the results today, not be the absolute best today. I know it helps if you're the best today, but how do you paint that picture of luck successes 10 years
0: away from now? Well, I think it's a lot about everyday talking to see how, how to, uh, because we're talking about it all the time that it's, you know, the player always want, wants to be good now. The coaches are always looking at, okay, I want you to play well now, but I want you to play so you're better tomorrow and the day after and even better in one month, in one year, in 10 years. So that's my job to tell them that. And I tell them all the time, you know, when they get angry and they don't follow the plan. You know, we, we have a plan in, in, a, in, a, in a tactical uh, setup where they have to focus even on the tactical and the technical thing, and they only go for the result. And they, 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 they fail. You know, I tell them, okay, it's because you, you didn't focus and you didn't follow the plan that we were doing. And I don't want you just to be good now in this exercise. I want you to be better tomorrow and in one year and 10 years. So it's kind of an education everyday talk that, that you need to have. And, and it's, it's quite funny because when I started to stop playing, I started out with the Davis Cup and the older players. And the better, the, the, the more I knew about the coaching the younger I've been going with the player because then then you can kind of build their mentality and and how they look at the 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 world and also how they handle stress and and the whole thing you know if you get them later it's tougher it's much tougher to 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 uh, to to change big things yeah habits uh, or, or your personality it's tough to change your personality when you get young older you know do you get nervous in the matches how Do you see it as an opportunity or as a stressful thing? I think it, you need to learn how to handle those things in a young age and, and look at the... It's a way of looking at life, actually. How, how, how do you handle
1: a situation like that where tough situations, you take on the challenge, you don't get stressed, you see it as an opportunity? How do you teach something like that?
0: Well, I try to teach it very young. For me, I kind of say to them, what, what is it to be brave? Everybody wants to be brave. And a lot of players, they, they go, it's going for your shot or to stay in the rally or whatever. And for me, it's just an example. There's many things. You know, for me, it's very brave to to dare to play the, the plan that gives you the best chance to win the point, even if it's a break point or set point or match point, because it might require that you stay in the point or it might require that you that you go for your forehand. I don't know, but that you learn every day you have a lot of exercises where you have to do what's right to succeed and also try to try to have uh, a perspective of life that, you know, tennis is, is is a game where you miss. It's a game of where you lose. It's a game of where you, you missed opportunities. And that's just tennis. You have to accept that. And that's, you know, players can come out uh, from a match and say, okay, I had a break point there. I had a set point there. I had a match point there. It's like, okay, that's tennis, you know the opponent probably also had some chances all you can do is go in do your best and shake hands at the end of the the match and and hopefully you you played as well uh, so you could win the match and then also there's a good a lot of good role models out there i love the you know how anatal is hand, handling it also at the press conference afterwards also also Federer. you know there is never any excuses there is uh, always okay you go out and do your best if the opponent was better okay i it hurts that i lose but I have to go back and work and, and do better. For me, it's not just one sentence. Now I've been saying something, but it's kind of an education on how you look at life. If you take it as a stressful thing or if you take you as, as an opportunity and something that you actually like, because I liked like Holger. He's the kind of guy that you want to, if you have a, let's say in a Davis Cup match, and you have a decisive match, and, and it's uh, six all in the fifth set, he loves that. You know, you can see it in his eyes. He's almost smiling. That is, that is what you, you really want a player to, to, to have is that they like the stressful situation. It thrives in, in those moments. They live for those moments to, to be able to stand on center court in Roland Garros or Wimbledon or court 23 in some country. But if it's exciting, then they're thriving, then they're smiling, then they really want to be there. And, and instead of hiding, but that, that's a, a teaching thing, you know, dude. that's a way of looking at life. I think it starts in core 23 in some country. You don't just show up at Wimbledon
1: with it all of a sudden. Oh, you've no. had it your whole life, you know, or you've yeah. taught it. Did you know we have over 170 great episodes with coaches, players, trainers, and experts working at the highest level of the game? Tap the subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss out on the latest episodes of the podcast. And to listen to our great back catalogue of episodes with the biggest game changers in tennis, go to functionaltennispodcast.com. Totally agree. The decision-making thing, you say, is interest. You know, like, because you see the level, like top 200 guys, the levels up there, but it's about who can play the right shot at the right time and who can make it. And it comes down to how do you bring that into practice and teach them to make those right decisions?
0: Yes. And it's, it's part of the practice. Of course, you learn it also by a lot of things is to, to you have to learn by playing matches. But in my opinion, you can, you can, you can teach it in, in practice. And if you, if you don't practice in, you know, the stressful situations, then you're going to have a tough time doing it in matches. So it, it's, it's something has to has to be part of your practice to put the players in stressful situations to be able to perform on a daily basis so they get used to it. So it's not a stressful thing, but it's just normal that you have to perform all the time in, in different exercises. So for me, it's, it's just a part of the daily, uh, daily routine to put to that. Now we use stress as a, as a negative thing, but it's like players who like competition. It's not stress. It's just like you put some, some, some competition that if you do this, you get to this goal. If you do this, you get to this goal. For me, it's, it's how to, um, let's say, uh, to make a plan. First, you have a goal and that, that could be in, in, in a match. You want to go and win the match or you want to, what is your objective? Is to win the match or is to follow your plan? And the same in, in, in practice. What is your goal? It could be, I want to, uh, to hit the target this many times, but it could also be, okay, I want to follow my plan. So after the goal, you, you make your plan slash te- tactical plan to, to see okay, how do I reach my goal? And this is very important. That's part of my practice all every day is that to teach them this, that you have to have a goal and then you have to have a plan. And what happens if you get pissed or if you get nervous? You have to have uh, certain uh, tools to to handle the stress and the nervousness. Uh, so I try to give them tools to 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 handle the stress and, and, and the nervousness doing those exercises. And it's kind of funny when you're doing the right exercises, you actually provoke the same feelings that they get in the match. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's about doing it every day.
1: Yeah, it becomes normal. And they do say like, obviously, when you're outside your comfort zone, that's when you're stressful. But they say outside the comfort zone is where the opportunity is. Yeah. So yeah.
0: get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's it. Uh, yeah. It's also you cannot hide. If you want to be a good player, you cannot hide. You know, you cannot uh, you, you, you should not be stressful that people are watching or people are, are looking at your results or you have to get used to that. It's, it's part of part of elite sport.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And look, before we're gonna talk a bit about your career now, your tennis career, some of your big epic wins, I'm gonna ask you how do you think Holger will do, in 10 years' time, could be 15 years' time, do you think Holger will be world number one? Will he win slams? What's your prediction? Because you work so closely to him and you have the experience of the
0: tour. I always thought that Holger had the potential to be number one in the world uh, and win grand slams. He has that X factor. Uh, he has the potential. Of course, there's a lot of work to be done before he reaches that goal, but he's one of the biggest talents out there. So, so that's, it. that's his potential. I thought he had that potential since he was uh, 10 years old or something, 9, 10, 11 years old. And uh, I, I don't see anything why he doesn't have that potential. Of course, now we, he's part of the HP Tour. He has a career-high ranking, I think 26. Okay. Uh, but of course, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be ups and downs. He still needs to improve some things to be able to, to reach his goal. But he still has that objective in uh, sight that he wants to be the best player in the world. There's also th- other good players uh, yeah. who, who has that the same potential. Right now, the, the most obvious one is, is Alcaraz, who is doing really, really well. Well, I, I cannot see him not winning Grand Slams in the future, and, and and also had the chance to become number one in the world. You never know. Uh, unfortunately, you can also be uh, you can get an injury, or you can. Yeah. There's different yeah. things that can happen. Um, but I think Holka has the potential to to win Grand Slams. Yes.
1: There's always that honeymoon phase at the start, isn't it? Where you make a breakthrough, nobody knows how to play it until mm. I'm sure all the other players have a chat and go, This is how you play yeah. this new guy. And then it takes a year or two for them to readjust. And so yeah. that, that's always interesting
0: to see with these yeah. guys. It's always easier on the way up, it's not easy. But it's always like you, you on a, on a high roll, you know, you get a lot of confidence. Everything's new. Everything is exciting. I tried it also myself. You know, there's no downside in the beginning, the first one and a half year, well, first year, one and a half year, there's no downside. And then kind of you need to pace yourself also there. If you play too much, you, you're getting tired. Players are starting to know you, starting to know how to play you, uh, to, to, to expose your weaker side. And then you have to evolve as a tennis player. You really have to prove yourself that you're not only as good as when you were breaking through, but actually you're getting better and better. And that is the, the objective you have to have all the time. You have to get better and better. But I, I know in, in in this regard, Holger has, has all his junior career has always, when he came from tournament, come home. Okay, this and this has to be improved. So we have to work on this. And we had a long-term goal and short-term goal. So... He's, since very young, he, he's used to working with goals and getting better at every day.
1: Constant improvement. And you were Danish number one for
0: about seven years. Is that right? Uh, I think more. Uh, I played in the ATP Tour for 16 years. And, uh, okay. I think there was only a short period of time where there was, there, was, there was two players who for a short period of time was a little higher than me. So most of, most of my career, I was the, yeah, the best uh,
1: Okay, I, I underestimated that. Sorry. How did you handle pressure being your country's number one player for so long? Obviously, there's expectations from the press,
0: from your family, from yourself. And how did you deal with that? I had to get used to it. It was tough in the beginning. It was a different time. I, was, I didn't have a full-time coach. I didn't have the setup that Holger has, for example. I was traveling a lot with myself alone. I had a the national coach was maybe traveling with me for four to six tournaments a year and I was playing like 28 30 in the beginning. Um so I was a lot by myself and um I had a tough time in the beginning to to okay it was easy when when if you have a team you listen to your team you trust your team 100% but at in the beginning it was okay I was looking at myself and people were telling me Different things. Also, even the newspapers. You know, in the beginning, I was I was reading what they were saying in the newspaper and say, okay, maybe they're right. Or yeah. I had to get used to that. I had to trust myself. I had to get a coach. I had to to do what I thought was was the best best thing because that's the only way to do it. But the Danish culture was not as far as as it is now. Uh, so so I was I was a lot on on my own, and I also had to. I had to get uh, used to all the expectations and and uh, that people had an opinion about me in the beginning. It's it's tough, especially when you're alone.
1: You you've learned now you can offer your other players that advice. So that's
0: one of the, the things that I thought I think is, is nice you know because I made mistakes I in my career I I, I took some decisions that was maybe not the the best ones but at least i i look back and i say okay i should have done this and this or uh, if i had this and this setup it was a little bit luckier that i had a setup that was different if i had taken some other decisions try to give that knowledge to 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 the younger players now one of the good things about being a coach well that's why it's important for a player a
1: junior player to surround themselves with somebody who's sort of been where they want to go because they understand it and how much do you miss, or do you don't miss, being on the tour
0: and competing? Well, actually, I was on the tour for 16 years, so I I I was I took the decision myself. At that time, I was 34, uh, which was very old at that time. Not, not this day, no. but <laughs> at that time, it was very old. I was thinking about maybe taking half a half year off because I was really tired mentally, but, but at that time, taking a half year off when I was 34, there was nobody playing after 34 at that time. It seemed like, okay... It, it might be the right time to stop. Or one of the things that I'm looking back at on now, I could have maybe continued playing doubles and stuff like that. Uh, but, but it was kind, not kind of uh, in my head at, at that time. I'm at peace, not playing, playing myself anymore. I'm, I'm coaching now. And that is my, that is my uh, passion now. The tough thing in the beginning was, was the, you know, uh, it's, a very, it's a very privileged life being a professional tennis player. It's stressful, it's hard but it's also a privilege that you're working with your hobby and also the, the, the lifestyle with traveling and, uh, and, and trying to, 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 to be your best at what you love to do. It's a privileged life and sometimes not so much now because I'm now get used to not traveling so much and, and in my coaching career, so I've also been traveling a lot. But, but the lifestyle sometimes can, can be um, with traveling and, and coaching and, and not coaching, playing yourself. It's a, it's a good life. But but I have so much tennis in my life right now, so it's not like I'm missing tennis. Uh, I'm still a huge part of it. Do you play with the league tennis? No, I never play any matches. I don't really have the passion to to play to play uh, to play uh, uh, tournaments. Um, of course, if exhibitions and and uh, so playing with with guys I used to play with. You know, if if I get invited to to. To, to play with, with, uh, with some of the old, older guys, uh, it's fun, but that's more fun. Yeah. But just to play on, uh, in, in a team match or something, I, I, I don't do that. Uh, it's tough because then, then I really require from myself, if I, if I want to do that, I also want to play well. Yes. Then, then I have to put in the work. I don't want to play and just be you know, half good.
1: You're not like Tommy Haas who still loves enjoying playing so much.
0: No, 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 I love to play so much. I I, I play every day with, with the players that I, that I practice. Uh, so so uh, yesterday, uh, most of the days I'm on court playing a lot of hours. So I have a lot of playing, but I just don't play matches in tournaments. I don't compete.
1: Yeah, that's the right way of saying it. And how has how the body held up? Because, you know, you speak to a lot of coaches who are never players and they're afraid of, you know, if they get injured one day and they're like, I don't know, 45, 50, and they see like they're, they've are they no money coming in because they can't be on court. How's how's your body held up after a tough pro career? You had some injuries yourself, and how are you every day after spending hours on court comp- playing with these kids?
0: Well, so far, so good. Knock on It's it's been good. But I also tried to do the work. I I, I tried to do my gym. Uh, I had two short shoulder surgeries, so I kind of have to to do my do my work, so my my shoulder doesn't hurt, and also so I don't get injured. So so I try to keep in shape uh, with the gym and also with the playing. So of course sometimes I get a little bit hurt somewhere, but but so far so good. Good. And looking back at
1: your career, what was it like to beat Edberg at Wimbledon, a fellow Nordic? player like that must have been unbelievable tell us about it
0: that's maybe the the one match that i enjoyed playing the most in my career it's it's not the biggest result of my career there's many reasons why why this is a a nice match for me to look back and and i grew up in in an age where in denmark we only had one tv channel and then we could also see uh, two channels from sweden across the Uh. country uh, across the the sea and then um, the only tournament I was watching growing up was was uh, Wimbledon the the matches that inspired me and my father my father started playing tennis just a couple of years before me was the matches of Borg Magmo in late 70s start 80s and I was uh, for me Wimbledon is just the, the by far the the biggest tournament and and for me, my childhood was always uh, the, the Wimbledon. So when I played Edberg on Centre Court, just walking on court, where I saw the the the, the sign where it used to be Borg-McEnroe, it was uh, edberg Carlsen, and my coach was sitting where there the coaches of Borg and McEnroe uh, used to sit, and and the Rolex watch was it was still the 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 old Centre Court, so it was the same court. So everything was the same as when I was growing up, and it just gives me goosebumps just talking about it, and. Now you're talking about pressure. It could be a pressure, but for me, I was just enjoying every single moment of, of this match. And I lost the first two sets, 7-6, seven, 7-6, six, seven, six, and I had set points in both third, oh. both first and second. But I tell you, I never experienced this, but both before and after, but every changeover, I was just looking forward to the, COVID, to the umpire at the same time. I was just enjoying this match like nothing else. So, so it was just a huge... Um, Privilege to play on the center court, and it was a a, a nice memory to look back on. But also, maybe the, the match that I enjoyed playing the most in my career,
1: and also to beat Edberg, like who was unbelievable. Yeah,
0: he, he won uh, Wimbledon uh, a couple of times before, and, and was still good at that time when when I beat him. So it was a it was a huge result for me in, in a young age. I was I was still in the beginning of my career. Still, it was good. Unfortunately, I got sick uh, the the night between this match and the next one. So. Oh. Uh, I had to retire in, in the match after against uh, Bjorkman throwing up on the court. There's not many players, I think, who threw up on Wimbledon courts, but I'm, uh, I'm one of them, unfortunately.
1: Oh, uh, sorry about that. That would have been yeah. a good. Bjorkman was great as well. And
0: do you have children? Unfortunately, I don't have my oh. own children. I'm with, my girlfriend has uh, two children, so, so I have uh, children in my life. Okay. And
1: Do you, is that the match you tell them about? If they say, oh, tell us about your favorite match. Is that the one you go to? Is there another one that sticks out?
0: We we rarely talk about tennis and and my career (laughs) talking about that. Well, it's, you know, a lot of people uh, talk about this match because they had some good memories uh, about this match and, and uh, I really enjoy this match, so I don't, uh, I like that too. Uh, and it was in Wimbledon, the biggest tournament in, in, in the world. Uh, for me, to winning the tournaments that I won, it's bigger results. But but this match always stands out and there's a lot of people who are talking about this match. So, and, and I definitely don't mind because I have o- only good memories about this match.
1: Nice. And you have a winning record against Federer. Not many people have a winning record (coughs) against Federer. Did you play him in Indian Wells, was it? Uh, Miami. Oh, Miami, sorry. And how old was he at the time? How old were you?
0: What sort of... My guess would be that he was 19. Okay. But but he could be... I don't know. It was was in the beginning of his uh, career before he became uh, Grand Slam and world number one. I don't remember exactly. I think it was in 99 when he's from. So we can kind of... Figured out. Uh, he, from-
1: uh, he was born in 81, so 81. 90, maybe 2000. Oh, He was
0: younger then. Maybe he was 17, 18.
1: Okay. And did you know about him back then? He's going to be this great player? Or was he just like, he's a new player on the tour?
0: He was a very good player in a young age. Everybody was talking about him becoming uh, the greatest player ever. Uh, he had a little bit tough time in the beginning of his career. In, in the grand slams and everybody there was kind of getting a uh, expectation I say, okay, when is he going to break through? When he broke through, he, he really broke through and, and, and the rest is history. For me, he took tennis to another level. Tennis was good before, but, but he just took it to, to another, to another planet, uh, the level, uh, of, of tennis. And then of course, Nadal came and, and brought something else to, to tennis uh, and then Djokovic came and, and this generation has just been incredible it's, it's going to be really tough in the future for, for future generations to match, match these uh, three but I think Federer was the one who, who pushed the boundaries and, and pushed the limit to, to where we are now I think it was
1: 1999 I had a quick look I think there would be more players that will come that will push the boundaries even further whether it's Alcraz somebody else because I'm sure when Sampras is around who was ever going to win more than all those Wimbledons and it's just crazy but did you ever play Sampras
0: in Agassi? I did yeah, yeah. unfortunately uh, I only played Sampras once and uh, I lost and uh, unfortunately I didn't have my best match I-, I still blame myself I was eating too much before the match and was like hit my stomach and I'm not saying that I would have won the match but I'm I'm still kind of pissed at myself that I only played him once in my life and then I didn't even perform at my high so but Agassi I played a couple of times and I just remember first time I played Agassi he was uh, for me at that time the greatest returner and if I did if the ball just came back so fast and one of my big weapons was was my serve and he was just uh, returning unbelievable
1: What's it like for you? What are your your weapon, your biggest weapon is your serve, and this guy's just cranking back returns and you're like, How am I gonna hold serve today? What's that feel like?
0: That's that's the stressful thing. If, if 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 you have a good serve, like me, I was I was living on my serve and my forehand and hopefully I, I was giving some free points with my serve or I get time to to get around my forehand and I hit my hit my forehand and I didn't get the time against Agassiz. So I had I had some troubles against Agassiz. Uh, he was he was just um, it was returning. So good. Well, wow, yeah. So it was such, such a privilege for you to, you know, you played a
1: mixed era of players. And we we'll just end this with like, we talked a lot about juniors. And what advice do you have for juniors out there who want to be successful from the experience you have? What's the key ingredient
0: they need to work on? Oh. It depends what when, when are you talking about, from, from six years old? No, uh, let's,
1: let's say the 14, 15-year-old. They may be the best in their country, whether it's Ireland, the UK or the US, but what's going to help make the difference that
0: they can give themselves the best chance to break through? For me, it's, it's a lot about uh, having a good team around uh, so that can uh, teach you all kinds of things, both in life and on court and off court. So for, for me, it's, uh, again, I come back, you need to be good, you need to have a good foundation of technique, tactical understanding, physique and mentality. And then you need to have a team that can improve those things together with you, because it's, it's going to be tough for you to do it alone. So so it's important to, to, to have a good team, to get the financial support somehow, that you can uh, both practice as much and as good as it requires to be good, but also travel and play the right tournaments that you require to 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 evolve. I'm not only talking about ranking, you know. I'm talking about how you get the mat, the best match up you know, the, the 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 most competitive matches, and and kind of try to 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 build on your on your talent all day, every day, from from day to day. So you need to have the good foundation, and and then have a good team around you.
1: Brilliant. Get it. Thank you very much. Uh, hope the commentary keeps going well and I look forward to seeing more videos of Philip sure. as he gets better over the next few years.
0: There's still a long way to go. He's doing really well now but there's it, still a lot of work to do. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed the episode with Kenneth. I thought it was great and it's great to see him come full circle and give back so much to juniors and see the next generation of Danish tennis players hit the Pro Tour. Until next week, goodbye.